podcast from the Sunday night service at New Life Church. The Sunday night service reflects a desire to be rooted in the historic expressions of faith while engaging God with our whole being in the world today. For more information on New Life Church, you can visit our website at newlifechurch.org. My name is Aaron Stern, for any of you that might not know me, and um, I'm one of the associate pastors here at New Life. I'm college and 20-somethings pastor. I lead the mill on Friday nights, and um, it's a privilege to be here uh, while Glenn is gone and to speak in his stead, and so looking forward to the opportunity and, and so appreciate being with you here tonight. Um, been in a little bit of a series, of course, throughout the last several months, we've been talking through the book of Ephesians and uh, unpacking what Paul is communicating to this church. And, um, and we've been now taking a couple of weeks and kind of landing in a, a, a passage of Scripture here in, uh, in Ephesians. And I want to read that to you as we begin. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 25. It says, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, do something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Earlier in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse, the first few verses of the chapter, it talks about living in unity with one another. And these few weeks we're talking about relationships and making sure that the relationships within the family of God are exemplify being in the family of God. I remember a few years ago um, watching on TV there was some sort of uh, court case that was going on and, and it was actually pretty horrendous. The, the, um, I don't remember all of the details but uh, the, the child had been, a child had been killed and, um, and so they had, they had caught who they thought would be the, who was the the perpetrator, and, and they'd gone through this court case, and, and they'd come to the end of the, of the court case, and the, the judge made his decision, jury made their decision, um, and they were, you know, he was going away for life, and before they were closing out the court case, the mom, who had lost her child, stands up, and they have op- oftentimes an opportunity to say one last thing to the, to the perpetrator before they leave and go uh, away to jail. And the, the mom said, I will never forgive you. And that, that statement struck me. Because as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, we know that we are to forgive others. And she was so direct and so clear about what she said she was never going to do. But I wonder oftentimes how we might actually find ourselves in a similar situation. We might not say it so clearly. Hopefully the circumstances aren't so tragic. 
But maybe we actually find ourselves in a place where we withhold forgiveness. God talks a lot about forgiveness. I think the message of the Bible is forgiveness. And we know that forgiveness is a necessary component to keeping the community of faith strong and healthy. Any community in which forgiveness is not an integral part will ultimately be a superficial one. And so the desire for us in Ephesians, as well as throughout many of the letters of Paul, is pushing for the community of God to be a forgiving community and for forgiveness to be a trademark and for his people to be marked by forgiveness. We are marked by the forgiveness of God and us to be, to, to be marked by forgiving of one another. And so we might not say so specifically, I will never forgive you, but maybe within our hearts we would say, I'm going to withhold forgiveness from you. I'm, I'm in my late 30s and uh, proud of it. And, uh, and, but in my, when I was a teenager, um, I, had, I had a strained relationship with my mom, or the beginning actually of a strained relationship with my mom. And my mom was a good mom growing up and, and would take, us to bat my, to make, take me to my basketball games and was, was, uh, was a, made wonderful dinners, did my laundry, Helped, helped with homework and all of those types of things. But in my, in my teenage years, my parents started to have some difficulties in their relationship that at least was more evident to me. And as a result of some of the difficulties they were having, there started to become a, a, a fissure in our relationship, some, some, some separation in our relationship. And, and it really was, was starting there in my teenage years, going through my 20s, that my relationship with my mom continued to be strained to the point where um, it really caused us to not be in a have much of a relationship at all and it was very difficult Um, I found myself being hurt by her I know that she found herself being hurt by me and and we would sometimes try to talk about it and oftentimes it only made it seem to make it worse and and so this relationship starts to, to distance, starts to become more strained, starts to become more difficult. And I was oftentimes reminded about the need to forgive. And before I talk about what it means to forgive, I think it oftentimes is helpful to talk about what forgiveness is not. First of all, forgiveness is not about it or the event or our hearts not hurting Sometimes we want to get to the place where we think, oh, well, it just doesn't hurt anymore, so it's just going to be easy. Well, we get to a place where it would be easy to forgive because it just doesn't seem to somehow matter in our hearts anymore. And yet, forgiveness is not about it not hurting. Actually, maybe the pain of the offense actually serves as a reminder of some of the damage that has been done to the relationship. And we often, though, want the pain to go away before we'll let someone else go. Forgiveness is also not about understanding. Sometimes we think, well, if I... I, I'll forgive them when I understand, so if I can just work at understanding more, then somehow it'll be easier for me to forgive them and let them go. 
But oftentimes we might actually come to a place where we can say, well, I understand why they did this, or I understand the circumstances that caused this to happen, and yet the, the difficulty and the pain in our hearts still seems to be there. Understanding more of the situation or even saying, I understand, might not necessarily make forgiveness happen, and it doesn't make forgiveness automatic. It's actually, I think, unrealistic that we would expect to understand everything before we might actually forgive. Forgiveness is also not about forgetting. God is the one that forgets, but we don't. I think that makes it actually pretty difficult. We would love to forget something that might have happened to us, especially if it was something that happened a long time ago. We would love to just forget and say, well, or, or to say, okay, God, I, I forgive them, but it just, and then all of a sudden you forget, and then it's gone, and, and it's, that just would somehow make it much easier. Or we might oftentimes just want to deny it. Well, if I don't, out of sight, out of mind, if I can just forget about it, then, then I, and if I can just deny it, then it won't actually exist, then I won't actually have to do anything about it. And just because we remember the pain of an offense doesn't necessarily mean that we haven't forgiven someone. Also, forgiveness is not dependent on an apology or, or a request for forgiveness. Wouldn't it really be great if when somebody hurt us, they would realize what they did, <laughs> that they would walk up to you and say, you know, I was thinking about what I said to you yesterday. I was thinking about the situation that happened last month or, you know, I was thinking about what happened last year and I, I am really, really sorry. Will you please forgive me? Actually, not only am I asking you to forgive me, I want you to know what I've done in restitution. I have made restitution. I've paid my debt to you and to society for what I've done. And so I think that, will you please forgive me? If, they had, if people came up to us and did that, I think that would oftentimes make forgiveness easier. But I find that ma- the majority of the time people don't do that. <laughs> they oftentimes go unchanged. They maybe don't seem to have any clue that they've hurt us. They don't seem to maybe even care. But if we feel like some sort of change or some sort of apology or some sort of request for forgiveness or some sort of restitution is required for us to give out forgiveness, then it's like letting someone off the hook only for good behavior or some sort of payback or proving that they are worth forgiving. It would be, I think we need to remember Jesus on the cross and the and the sinner right next to him, he didn't have any time to prove himself. Jesus forgave him. Forgiveness is not about us or other people earning our forgiveness. We didn't earn our forgiveness from God. And in the same way, it doesn't mean that people have to earn our forgiveness from us. If we are to withhold forgiveness because of because of someone else not doing what we believe they need to do in order for us to be able to forgive them, we oftentimes, I think, lose sight of the mercy that we are all in need of. The mercy that is poured out on humanity and poured out on each one of us. Free Forgiveness is a free gift to us from God, and it is the same from us to those who have wronged us. It is free. It is not something that someone has to earn from us. 
Forgiveness is not a statement about someone being worth forgiving, but rather a statement that all can be forgiven. Forgiveness is also not about the other person being right. Sometimes we might think, well, if I forgive them, then what I'm saying is, yeah, you were right, you, you, you're okay, what you did wasn't a problem. But we're not saying that at all. They might have been completely wrong. They might be the one that was, was absolutely at fault, and they truly did hurt you. By you saying, I forgive you, you're not saying you were right. It's not synonymous with, you're right and I'm wrong. I think we could go on and on with a list of what forgiveness is not, but I want to end with this, and that is that forgiveness is not about disregarding ju- excuse me, justice. Forgiveness is not about disregarding justice. For me, oftentimes, if I were to hold on to an offense, and I think this was true of my relationship with my mom, is for me to hold on to an offense is about wanting the, the person that has hurt me to hurt as much as I have. When we have somebody that hurts us, we really want them to hurt as much as we have. If they, if they said some hurtful words, if they said something to us, if they've done something to us, especially if it's some sort of repeated offense, then we really want them to hurt as much as we do. And somehow we think that if we hold on to it, that's going to cause them to hurt. But I heard somebody say, I love this, resentment is like taking poison and waiting for the other person to die. So somehow we think, well, if I just hold on to this, what we're actually wanting is we're acting, asking for and holding on to the idea of revenge. Romans chapter 12, verse 19 in the message says, don't insist on getting even. That, that's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. God's the one that takes care of it. Now, I think we might read that and say, yep, I agree with that. God is the judge. I know I've heard the verse before, vengeance is mine, says God, and yet, do we really believe that? Unforgiveness oftentimes is a statement of a lack of trust towards God, saying, God, will you really take care of this? Jesus says in 1 Peter, or it says about Jesus in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23, it says, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Are we willing to say, God, I've been hurt. I've been wounded. My heart is in pain. I, I, feel, I feel rejected. I feel hurt in whatever way. You can fill in the blanks for what that looks like for your life. But God, I trust you as the as the just judge. Not only are you just, but you will execute justice. If God is completely just, then that means that he will and must, out of the nature of the, and the character of who he is, he will exact justice. If God is completely just, he cannot, he cannot execute perfect justice. Actually, that's what I was said the other way around. He must. He will. He cannot not. <laughs> if God, let me say it one more time. If God is just, if he is completely and perfectly just, if that is his nature, because it is out of his nature, 
He must and will execute perfect justice. Do we believe that, though? Do we really believe that God will take care of it? Really, when we hold on to unforgiveness, when, is what we're saying is, is, I don't really think so. I think I need to take care of this myself. I'll hold on to this because somehow by me holding on to this, I'm going to keep you from something. I'm going to keep you from, from I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to, I'll take care of this. And oftentimes when we hold things in, I, I find that we, we start to develop revenge plans. You ever developed a revenge plan in your, in your brain? Maybe you've never written it down. Probably not. But you've got some sort of revenge plan, and it oftentimes sounds like a conversation. Well, if this person ever says this, well, if, if I could ever just share with them a piece of my mind, and then we, we, we have this conversation. And the conversation goes along like, well, if you knew, obviously you don't know this, and well, if I could tell you this, and well, if you knew this, and well, this is how, and, and we, we know exactly what it is that we want to say or would say if we had the opportunity. But see, not only does God care more about eliminating evil and injustice, He cares more about it than us. Not only does He care about eliminating those things more than us, He has actually already done something about it. He has already done something about it. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 19, Paul is writing from prison. And he is writing to, of course, the church at Philippi, and he says this, for he says, For I know that that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Now, he's here, and he's in prison. He doesn't know. He might be executed the next day. He has no plan. There's no, he's not being told he's going to get let out the next day, the next week. He might be beaten. He might be, he might be flogged. I mean, we have no idea. He has no idea what's going to happen to him. And yet, he says... For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. He's not talking about his circumstances of deliverance. That word deliverance is the same word used for salvation, soteria, which means I recognize that I am being saved by Christ Jesus. Not only has God, does God care about injustice, he cares about it so much that he has actually already done something about it, and he did it through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And it wasn't just triumphing over sin so that we might have the forgiveness of sins in our own hearts. He also triumphs over injustice in the world. And that triumphing over injustice is about making things right. And it was Jesus on the cross, it was the work of God at Calvary that made things right. And we might not know and we might not see the execution of justice in the ways that we would, not only in the ways that we would want it, but also in the timing that we would want it and in the ways that we would want it. But God will execute justice. We need to come to the place where we can say, I might not, I, I have an idea of what this justice looks like. I have an idea of what this getting worked out looks like. I have an idea of what this revenge looks like. I have an idea of what justice for you looks like. But God's idea might be different. And are we willing to trust that he is just and that out of his 
justness, he will execute justice on our behalf. And that has already begun. Justice has already begun for each and every one of us on the cross and in the resurrection of Jesus. Because in, on the cross and in the resurrection of Jesus, all things, the, the trajectory of all things being made right began. Because of that, just like for Paul, justice had begun. Salvation had begun. Deliverance had begun. And for us, no matter what kind of, you might say, oh, Aaron, if you, if you knew my story, if you knew what happened to me, you might back off of what you're saying. For you, justice has begun. Just as for Paul, justice had begun, his salvation had come, his deliverance had come, not talking circumstantially, talking about what God had done in the hearts and in, in the world to evil and injustice. Justice had begun. Do we believe that justice has begun with Jesus on the cross and the resurrection of Christ? And if we believe that, then we can say, I leave justice to God. I can truly let go of my idea and desire for revenge because God is the one that will carry it out. Now this whole idea of, of forgiveness in the New Testament, most oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes the word forgiveness is used primarily to describe the release of someone from a financial obligation. Now when someone, of course, owes somebody uh, money, on, uh, you, you know, they, they owe them a bill, they, pay, they loaned them some money or whatever, you might say, hey, you owe me a debt. You, you owe me this much money. And then when they pay that debt, they have, or, they, or, or if the the person who is, that they owe the money to determines that I, they're going to release them from the debt, they would, might say to them, you don't owe me. I think that's actually a wonderful description of forgiveness. Is being able to have, make the statement, you don't owe me. You don't owe me an apology. You don't owe me making things right in the way that I think that they should be made right. You don't owe me a request for forgiveness. You don't owe me your change in your life. Don't we oftentimes want to see them change and not do what they've already done to us? What if they continue doing that to other people? We so much want to see these other things in place before we would say, I forgive you, you don't owe me. But just in the same way that someone who has the money or has loaned money would forgive a debt, they would say, you don't owe me. I think for us to say, you don't owe me, is to trust ourselves and our hearts to God to release and to let go of. You don't owe me. You, I think this would actually be easier if it were only a one-time offense, which maybe for some of us it has been, but sometimes one-time offenses can be really cut really deep. But God doesn't give kind of the, well, unless it's really hard, caveat to the whole idea of forgiveness. Actually, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, Peter is talking to Jesus and says, and, and it says 18, uh, Matthew 18, verse 21, it says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times, Jesus answered. Up to seven times, Jesus answered. I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And actually, in Luke, it says seven times 70, which is, of course, 490 Jesus is not giving an exact number, an exact line with maybe your spouse who might actually get to the 490 mark. You 491, you're like, oh, you missed the mark. Jesus said, I'm done forgiving you. Now I can be bitter at you, and it's biblical. You know, I mean, that's, 
That's not, of course, what he's saying. He's saying your forgiveness is ongoing. Somebody might keep hurting you on and on, over and over again. And we are called as followers of Jesus to a life of forgiveness. Being marked by forgiveness. Maybe Jesus said that we would forgive and should forgive seven times seventy because he knew that we would have the tendency to talk ourselves out of forgiving. Well, I, I would forgive them if. Well, I could if. Well, I would like to, but. And we have all of these reasons why for us we don't have to. Why for us we're the special circumstance, we're the exception to the rule. But God says to us that forgiveness in our hearts, letting somebody go, saying to them that they don't owe us, is a must. We must forgive. Now this is between us and God. We may never talk to this person. This isn't, like I said, dependent upon them saying and coming to us and saying, will you forgive me? This is something that we release in our hearts to God so that our hearts are clean. I mentioned my mom to you, and as we were going through and having a difficulty in our relationship, I came to the place where I was like, okay, I'm going to let my mom go for the difficulties that I feel like we've got here and the hurts that have been caused. And so it came to a place where I was able to say in my, own, my heart, you don't owe me. Hurtful, yes. How I want things to be, no. Would I love to exact, uh, execute justice, yes. Would I love for things to change? Absolutely. But in my heart, I let you go. Over a year, a little over a year ago, my mom and I, and several times over the years, we would have some conversations to try and maybe resolve things, and oftentimes, like I mentioned, it would get worse. Well, about a couple of years ago, we began a little bit of a conversation of maybe trying to talk about it, and we came to the place where where we were going to meet, start meeting on a regular basis just to talk and try and work through some of these things. And after the first couple of meetings, it was, I, I actually, it was amazing. We started to actually talk about some of these things that were happening in our lives and some of the things that we had done with, to one another and she to me and me to her and uh, some of them, in, un, many of them unintentional, but the ways that they had hurt, we had hurt one another and and I remember this moment where we're sitting, we're in a Panera Bread, and we're sitting there at the table, and, and, and we kind of talked a lot about all the things, put a lot of the things that had been unspoken for a long time out on the table. And before this point, I had come to the place where I had released my mom in my heart, but she says this to me, Aaron, will you forgive me? I'm sorry for what I have done to you over these years. Will you please forgive me? Now, I had released my mom in my heart, but this was different. See, because the releasing of my mom in my heart to, to, to God was between me and God. Now was something else. This was between my mom and I. And I found myself in this moment, in this moment of, I don't know. This, this, I had this pause on the inside where she says, Aaron, will you forgive me? And I found myself thinking, I, I don't know. I, I kind of like being mad at you. I actually only kind of know my relationship with you like this. 
at this distance. I don't know what it's like to actually have a relationship that might actually develop towards being healthy. I'm not sure what I remember. I don't know what it's like for... I don't know if I'm ready for that. I mean, these are the thoughts that are rolling around in my head. You know, I'm having this massive conversation with myself, and, and she's saying, will you forgive me? And I'm looking at her like this. Yeah, well, and you know... And I pause... And I said, I forgive you. Now, you might say, well, I thought you already forgave her, Aaron. See, but there's a difference between forgiving in our hearts and extending grace for free. And the forgiveness that happens between two people that is based on trust. See, forgiveness, I'll use two, I've used kind of the same word for, for two different things. We use the letting go in our hearts as forgiveness with God and the letting go or the forgiveness between two people as reconciliation. Forgiveness is free and based totally on grace. Reconciliation is based completely on trust. See, I've oftentimes talked to people that say, well, I I just feel so bad because I, I feel like I've forgiven them, but I don't want to, like, have relationship with them. But I, I'm, I, I thought I forgave them. And I, so I sit down with them and we talk a little bit about the fact that they did forgive them, but they just don't trust them. And just because you don't trust them doesn't mean that you don't, haven't forgiven them. Forgiveness is based on grace. Reconciliation of relationship is based on trust. And if somebody has caused a hurt and a... And a, and a and an undercutting of a relationship, it's going to take time to rebuild trust. We give forgiveness freely. It takes time to rebuild trust that has been lost and broken. Forgiveness is not synonymous with trust. We may have totally let somebody go in our hearts and have no ability to trust them because they have not shown themselves trustworthy again. We are to do everything that we can. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So if they don't want reconciliation, you are not required to act as if everything is back to normal. You are not required to trust them as if nothing happened. We can immediately forgive, and we must always forgive. But trust may or may not return. Relationship may never go back to the way that it was. And it's oftentimes very common for the person who hurt us to want everything to return back to normal right away. You ever notice that? You ever notice how somebody hurts you and then you you try and work it out a little bit and they want everything like, okay, I didn't mean to. I mean, I obviously asked for forgiveness or we've talked about it here and all of a sudden you want it to go straight back to normal. But it takes time. I think of it, think of trust and, and, and relationships like water in a bathtub. If you have a bathtub full of water, and all of a sudden, somebody does something to undercut that relationship. It's like pulling the, 
plug out of the drain. All of a sudden, it's all gone. In order for that bathtub to fill up, it's not that you turn the water back on to full blast and it just takes a couple of minutes. Oftentimes, it takes drips of water to refill that tub. And it's those drips of trust and those drips of rebuilding trust that it takes to refill that tub. And if you're halfway through and they do something again, they pull the plug and all of a sudden the water goes out, it takes a long time. It can take a long time to rebuild trust and establish a reconciled relationship. Forgiveness is a remedy of the heart, but not always a remedy of relationships. I think this is oftentimes a, an issue that gets fairly blurred and a little discombobulated in our culture. Our culture is very much a culture of tolerance, and we want everybody to feel good. And so when something Somebody, when somebody does something wrong, we say, oh man, well, I, you know, I didn't mean to, and you know, we, we, let's go back to the way that it was, and let's just not worry about it. And, and so it doesn't always feel good to have boundaries that are based on trust. And yet, in the same time, we can say, I have forgiven you. I've totally let you go in my heart. How do you know that you've forgiven someone? I believe that, it's you, that you want God's best for them. If you were to pray for them, are you going to pray that they die soon? <laughs> that, they, that they eat some sort of poisonous something, get bitten by some sort of po- po- <laughs> deadly bug or attacked by a cheetah or something, you know, that you want. You want quick death. Painful, actually. Uh, death for them. Or when you pray for them, do you pray that, you, that God's best would happen in their life? That they would experience grace and peace. That they would experience the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That they would follow Jesus. That they would surrender their hearts. That they would experience God's best. Oftentimes, I think we get, we get a little confused sometimes with the word best. Because when I think of best, I want, do I want them to be successful? Do I want them to make a lot of money? Do I want their business to succeed? That doesn't really matter. What we're asking for is God's best. And it's not for me to determine what God's best is for them. But am I going to say, God, whatever your best, and if that is that they are wildly rich or wildly successful or wildly this or things go amazingly well, then if that's God's best for them, then great. Am I willing to pray that for them? Can I say, I want God's best for them? I think we can also tell whether or not we whether or not we've forgiven them by if we've let go of the revenge strategy in our own heads. Have we let go of the revenge strategy in our own heads? Have we, have we stopped having conversations with them? You know, the fake ones? The ones that you're sitting at the stoplight and, you know, and you're just fuming. And you ever get to the place where you actually are talking or thinking about somebody and your emotions start to get revved up. Before you know it, you are just flaming mad, and you haven't talked to a real person in quite a while. (laughs) When you hear their name, when you hear that maybe something has gone well for them, how do you react? Certainly one of the ways in which I think we can know whether or not we've forgiven someone. I was just meeting with a a couple not too long ago, and we were talking about 
uh, they were getting ready to get married. And we were talking about some of their family history, talking about some of the things going on in their lives, and as they were getting ready to join their lives together. As we, as we started talking about and unpacking some of their, their family heritage, I started to see some different things that, that they both might have had, they both had towards their parents. And some anger that was bur- gurgling beneath the sur- surface. And some ways in which they were not ever wanting, I heard this statement, I don't ever want to be like him. I don't ever want to be like her. And that's okay, certainly, to, to, to say there's some different characteristics of, of my mom or my dad or this person or that person that I don't necessarily admire and I'd prefer to be this way. I feel like this is more in line with following Jesus. But there's this, there was this edge to these statements that said, I don't ever want to be like her. Like, don't, if, if someone were to say to her or to him, you know, you're, you remind me of your mom or you remind me of your dad, I think they might have exploded. You know what I mean? It's one of those type of situations where there's something deep in there. And so I encourage them to write an anger letter. I said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take out a piece of paper, take out your journal, whatever, and I want you to write a letter to them. And I want you to tell them what it is that, that they did to you. Write it out. Be as graphic as you want. Say whatever you want. Go for it. Have a good time. Might be a couple of sentences. It might be several paragraphs. It might be several pages. You might... I said, what, what I think this is going to do is going to enable you to understand what's in there. Sometimes we think, oh, it's not that big of a deal. But then, and what, really what we're trying to do is just pack it in and pack it away. But once we kind of let it out, Oftentimes what we will find is that there's a lot more in there than we expected. And just let it out. And it helps us to identify what it is that we're hurt over. What it is that has caused us pain that we're trying to hold in there and hold on to. Then once you've identified that, kind of put it all out there. Now continue your letter and tell them how you're going to forgive them and now what you're going to pray for them. And in doing this process, they have found different things that were in their hearts that they didn't think were in there. Yeah, I maybe have some difficulty with my dad now has turned into, wow, I really, I really hated my dad for this. I really didn't realize how much... I was so mad and so angry about the way that this impacted not only me, but my siblings, or my mom, or my dad, or the ways that this impacted our family, and it's out there. And once now we know what it is we have, we can now give it to God. Oftentimes, we might like to minimize it so much because we don't like to think that we're carrying around a load of stuff, and so as a result, we we say, okay, here, take this, God. Here you go. It's kind of just small. It's just really not that big a deal, so you can have it. When really what it is, is we've got to be like, okay, God, um, do you have uh, some time? Because <laughs> this is load one, and I've got more. I, this all came out of here, by the way. You know, here, take this. And we don't like the idea of that coming out of our hearts. But what if we open it up? What if we put it down on paper, let it flow, And you read that letter out loud. 
And if you're to them, I encourage them to read those letters to one another and then get rid of the letter. They're not going to marry, let, they're not going to mail the letter. But it's a way and an exercise of getting it out of their hearts to know what it is that they're dealing with in order to be able to give it to God and let it go and walk in forgiveness. My encouragement to all of us tonight as we close is to be first. To be the first ones to forgive. To be the first ones to pursue peace in relationships. As followers of Jesus, we join God in His plan of bringing forth His kingdom. Remember, justice began at the cross. And as we forgive, what we are doing is bringing forth and continuing and carrying on His kingdom. We're using the currency of the kingdom, forgiveness, so that God's plan and God's working out, God's justice can actually happen. So that the grace of God is shown forth. So that the, so that the mercy of God is communicated to the world around us. My encouragement to all of us, let's be first to forgive. Let's be first to pursue peace. Let's be the first to recognize how needy we are and have been and continue to be. We're in need of mercy. We're in need of forgiveness. And the more that we embrace our need for forgiveness, the easier it is for us to forgive others. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we love you. Lord Jesus, we need you. We are in desperate need. As we, as we said earlier, we, we prayed the confessional prayer together out of Psalm 51. We confess our, our need and our dire need for your mercy and your grace in our lives. It says in Colossians chapter 2 that just as, re- as we received Christ Jesus, that we would continue to live in him. We receive Christ Jesus in a state of need, in a state of dire and desperate help, needing help. And in that same way, in the need for mercy and grace, I pray that we continue to live in a place of understanding our need for mercy and grace. I pray that just as we've been marked by your forgiveness of us, that we would be marked by our forgiveness of others. We thank you for your free gift, the free gift of forgiveness. And I pray that we would extend the free gift of forgiveness to those who have, forgi- who have hurt us. I pray that we would be able to recognize the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. I do pray that we would make every effort to live at peace, to live in the bond of love. with as much as it depends on us to live at peace. To make effort to rebuild trust. But to recognize that even if the relationship changes or ends, that we can love them, pray pray your best for them, and we can live in a place of forgiveness in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everyone said, Amen. Thank you all for being here tonight.